All right, good morning, good morning, RCC family, and good morning to everyone who is watching on our live stream. We are so happy that you are worshiping with us this morning. If it's your very first time, we would love to give you a proper greeting. So if you want to leave your name in the comments, we'll greet you there. If you would look to the screens, we're going to jump into our lectionary passage this morning. And if you're familiar with RCC, you know we do reread from the lectionary every Sunday. It keeps us connected with the Universal Church, and it works through the Bible in three years. Today's psalm is David, and he is on the run. And so the words that he is saying comes from this place of desperation. It comes from this place of really needing God to come through. And so if you would, you can close your eyes and let the words hang over it, hang over you this morning. Maybe you're in a similar spot where you need God to meet you. But he says, I will bless the Lord at all times, and his praise will always be in my mouth. I praise the Lord. Let the suffering listen and rejoice. Magnify the Lord with me. Together, let us lift up his name. I sought the Lord, and he answered me. And he delivered me from all my fears. And those who look to God will shine. And their faces are never ashamed. The suffering person cried out. And the Lord listened and saved him from every trouble. On every side, the Lord's messenger protects those who honor God. And he delivers them. Taste and see how good the Lord is. The one who takes refuge refuge in him is truly happy and so God this morning we all have our own things that we need redemption and saving from maybe this week felt wild and out of our control maybe it felt peaceful and full of joy but God we thank you because you reign above it all Thank you for being a God that meets us in our troubles. Thank you for being a God that sees us. And Lord, we just ask this morning that you begin to survey our hearts and meet our needs. For those who've come heavy-hearted, God, be their peace. For those who have come with questions, be their clarity. And God, for those who have come with joy and anticipation, we just pray that you multiply that, that it spills over to their neighbor and their friends and their community. Thank you for being so faithful. Thank you for not leaving us in our need. To God, this morning, we just turn our eyes towards you. We turn away from every distraction, every heavy thing, God, we lay at your feet this morning, and we just accept your peace and your provision and your sovereignty. We love you, and we worship, and we exalt you. And in your name we pray, amen. God, we thank you. And even when we can't see it or feel it or when the dark and the evil feels like it's winning, that we can proclaim that song and we can proclaim those words that you're still good because you're still on the throne. And you get the final say. 
Forever and always, you get the final say, and that is victory. And so this morning, during prayers of the people, when we lift up heavy, when we lift up things that look like aren't good, where we're not seeing your goodness, we will proclaim your name and lift up your name and lift up your goodness because you're still on the throne. And you are faithful and sovereign and true to your word. And that is that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. We pray for the Universal Church, its members, and its mission. We specifically pray for parts of India right now where there's a call to violence against Christians. There's rallies being held promoting and encouraging acts of violence against Christians. And so we just lift up our brothers and sisters in India. How discouraging and terrifying it must feel to know that there are people who are actively after you and your life because of your faith and proclamation of faith in you. And so, God, we just pray a special hedge of protection over them, that the plans of the evil one would be thwarted and diverted, that they would be shut down, that the schemes of the enemy would indeed not prosper that somehow you would turn this thing on its head and the very people that were meant to seek out to destroy would come to know your name. That somehow salvations would come out of this in the most obscure, bizarre, unlikely of ways. Would they know, would those believers know that they are not alone and that we are praying for them and we are praying with them? May it not just be on a Sunday, but throughout the week, may we lift them up, bring them to our hearts and minds. God, would you have mercy on them? We pray for the world and all those in it. We pray for the forest fires that are in Greece. That's just been devastating when they're already fighting and warring and battling against so much in a lot of different ways in that country. God, I just pray that you would bring fire to cease and that you would bring rain to fall, that you would aid the, re the recovery efforts and the resources that they need in order to cease the fires. God, would you supply them with everything that they need, protect their homes and their lives, would you bring hope and light in such a weary and dry place? We pray for the violence and unrest in Afghanistan. So much war, so much violence, so much unrest. I cannot even fathom. I don't know. I don't understand. I am so privileged to have no clue what it is like to live in a place like Afghanistan right now. God, would you, you know what they need and I honestly don't, but what we pray for is that peace would somehow happen in that land. 
that a peace surpassing all understanding, a peace that somehow we can't even see or make sense of, that somehow peace would come into that land. Where there is political unrest, would they be able to reach agreement? Would you protect the innocent ones in every village, in every city? Give them places of rest and refuge. May nations be available to aid in the most innocent of victims. God, would you come? Would you show up quickly? We pray for the welfare of Smyrna and Cobb County. We specifically pray for the school systems, the kids, the teachers alike. As even in the past 10 days of schools starting back, COVID and what it's doing to our students and our, the faculty and the decisions that then have to be made and the families desiring what's best for their kids and God, would you just come and would you give wisdom and discernment to every uh, principal, every superintendent, every board? What is best, what is loving, what is most caring for, their for these children, for these teachers, for their well-being as a whole? God, would you just give the best next step? Would you place people in their past that hear you and know you and lean into you and lean into your direction? We pray safety and protection in those classrooms. The resources will be given where they are needed for the most basic of needs. Thank you for the teachers and for the staff who are doing in an incredibly hard job and carrying a weight and a burden that we simply cannot understand. Would you be with them? Would you give them really good rest at night? Would you give them peace in their hearts as they try to do the best they can to love these kids well and maybe even teach them something? Would you be with them? And finally, we pray for the concerns of this local community and those who suffer in it. We pray for Leslie this morning as she lost her stepfather and his service is tomorrow. God, would you comfort and be near to the mourning and the grieving family, all those impacted by his loss. May Leslie know that as an extension of River City, we are praying for her and we are, we are with her. Pray for Stephen Boggs as he awaits surgery. The anticipation, the nerves, the anxieties, the changing of surgery dates, all of it. It's a lot and it's hard and it's exhausting and it's easy to grow weary in that. So would you give the Boggs family just an endurance to withstand not just the recovery of the surgery, but also just the, the time changing of when it's going to happen. Would you keep his brother safe? 
May this be another step towards health for him and full recovery. We pray for the Turners and the Wits as they recover from COVID. Continue to restore them, bring health to their whole entire family. Every way in which they felt impacted by COVID, would you just restore their body to function exactly as you've created it to function? That they would be able to fully re-engage in life, that they would know they're not alone, that they're not on an island, but they are cared for and loved. And finally, we pray for ETS as it starts tonight. We thank you, God, for what you're doing and what you've already done and what you're going to continue to do. We just pray your blessing over it. We pray your blessing over the starting of groups. That every person in River City or that walks into River City, that they would know that they are seen and known and loved and welcomed at this place exactly as they are. That you would fill every hole, that you would meet every need in the only way that you can do. Be with us this morning. May your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Good morning. I hope everyone is doing well this morning. I'm glad y'all are here. Um, as you saw in the video, Josh is still not here. Um, they are trooping through COVID, holding up well. Um, this is an exciting Sunday, right, as we launch into the ETS groups tonight. Um, we're, it's an exciting time. There's been a ton of planning to get us to this point. Um, I know many of you are looking forward to tonight. Many of you are looking forward to finding out who's in my group, right? Even, you know, I'm looking forward to that. We'll, all, we'll learn that about, about that tonight. But I do believe this is a moment that we will be able to look back on in the years to come um, as a very significant shift in our church family. Okay, on to the message. Um, last time I was up here about a month ago, um, we were talking about John 15 and abiding in Christ. You recall we were talking about the metaphor of God as the vine dresser, right? Tending to the vineyard to yield healthy fruit. The last couple of weeks, we've shifted that discussion, still in John, um, John 6, and a lot of references to bread and the bread of life. We're going to continue to look at some of those passages today, um, and we'll be picking up on something Kara mentioned last week, which is the question, what are we hungering for? If you're like me, sometimes when you're hungry, you know exactly what you want. If I'm hungry, nine times out of ten, I want pizza. I don't think I'm alone. I know that about myself. Occasionally, I'm hungry, and I, but I don't know what I want. Right? There are other times I'm not even really hungry, but it's time to eat, so I eat. Um, I just get something, right, to eat, because it's dinner time or it's lunch time. But a lot of times, even then... I'd prefer to eat pizza, if Jen will let me, <laughs> or if she isn't around to tell me not to. Um, but that's talking about hunger and food, right? But we can be hungry for a lot of other kinds of things. Um, we use the term hunger to describe our wants, our desires, our longings, and that often has nothing to do with food, right? And that's really what we're talking about today. 
those things we want or desire or long for, what are we hungering for? Do we even know what we're hungering for? Sometimes we can't even name that thing. Let's look at a passage uh, from 1 Kings. It'll be up on the screen. Elijah himself went farther on into the desert a day's journey. He finally sat down under a solitary broom bush. He longed for his own death. It's more than enough, Lord. Take my life, because I'm no better than my ancestors. He lay down and slept under the solitary broom bush. Then suddenly a messenger tapped him and said to him, Get up, eat something. Elijah opened his eyes and saw flat bread baked on glowing coals and a jar of water right by his head. He ate and drank and then went back to sleep. The Lord's messenger returned a second time and tapped him. Get up, the messenger said. Eat something because you have a difficult road ahead of you. Elijah got up, ate and drank, and went refreshed by that food for 40 days and nights until he arrived at Horeb, God's mountain. Now, the first thing that stands out to me about this passage is Eliza isn't even complaining about being hungry or thirsty. No, what he's experiencing is exhaustion. He's done. He's spent. He's at the end of his rope. That's all he has to offer. It's more than enough, Lord. Take my life. And he goes to sleep. He doesn't even know how to label what he wants or needs or desires. He just knows he's wiped out. And he goes to sleep. How many of us have been where Elijah is in this passage? How many of us are there right now? Maybe we don't have the energy or the mental faculties to verbalize what we need. All we know is we're exhausted. Okay, be there. Bring that. Say that, offer that to the Lord. Because what we see is that God understands, right? He sees what we need even when we don't see it or can't verbalize it. All we know is what we're feeling in the moment. And that's where Elijah is here. But God knows there's more to Elijah's journey than where he is in his exhaustion in that moment. And God cares about Elijah like he cares about you and me. So what does God do? He sends his messenger to provide the food and drink that Elijah needs for the journey ahead. Food and drink that Elijah isn't in a headspace to even ask for. And the messenger doesn't wake Elijah up to tell him, snap out of it. Quit whining about how hard things have been for you. Right? He doesn't wag his finger at him. Don't you trust God, Elijah? He just wakes him up to eat and drink. He even lets him go back to sleep after that first meal. It's as if he understands the level of exhaustion that Elijah is experiencing. The patience and empathy there is beautiful. Elijah was provided what he needed for the next 40 days of his journey. And it all started with Elijah simply admitting where he was emotionally. I'm done, Lord. Elijah's honesty is inspiring. He's seen the Lord move in big ways up to then. You can read about it. But he says he's just like his ancestors, right? His ancestors who grumbled about God, who rescued them from slavery. His ancestors who complained and moved God to provide manna from heaven. His ancestors who later complained about the provision of manna and demanded meat as well. Now there's a humility in Elijah's confession about where he is. 
He's owning where he is. He has nothing left to give but the state of mind that he's in. But Elijah is abiding. He's still connected to God. He's still going to God with, his, with, his, with how crappy he feels, right? He knows he can give God even the darker side of himself. Now, Moriah shared earlier at the beginning of service the Psalms passage for today from the lectionary. Now, Psalm 34 isn't about Elijah. It's about David and Ahimelech, the priest. If you recall in 1 Samuel, we read about David running from King Saul. And on the run, David obviously gets hungry and makes his way to Ahimelech, the priest, and talks him into giving him five loaves of bread of the presence of the Lord. And in response, David pens the words of this psalm. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise will always be in my mouth. I praise the Lord. Let the suffering listen and rejoice. Magnify the Lord with me. Together, let us lift his name up high. I sought the Lord and he answered me. He delivered me from all my fears. Those who look to God will shine. Their faces are never ashamed. This suffering person cried out. The Lord listened and saved him from every trouble. On every side, the Lord's messenger protects those who honor God, and he delivers them. Taste and see how good the Lord is. The one who takes refuge in him is truly happy. Now, a lot, you know, I like this last, the last verse 8, right? Taste and see how good the Lord is. That's a great verse. But what, what I'm drawn to here is this suffering person cried out, the Lord listened and saved him from every trouble. These are David's words, but they could also be Elijah's words. David writes, taste and see how good the Lord is. The one who takes refuge in him is truly happy. David is hungry, and Ahimelech gives him the bread of the presence of the Lord to eat. David tastes the bread of the presence of the Lord and sees how good the Lord is in meeting him where he is, on the run and hungry. In contrast to Elijah, David knows what he wants in that moment. He is literally hungry for food. And that's what he asks the Lord's priest for. And that is what the Lord provides through his priest. Elijah didn't know he needed food and drink, but the Lord did and provided it for him for his journey ahead. But as we said earlier, often we're not hungry for food or thirsty for water. What we're hungering for is something else, right? Something we are desiring or longing for in our lives, tangible or intangible. How can that hunger be satisfied? Let's look at John 6. Jesus replied, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. The Jewish opposition grumbled about him because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. They asked, isn't this Jesus, Joseph's son, whose mother and father we know? How can he now say, I have come down from heaven? Jesus responded, don't grumble among yourselves. No one can come to me unless they are drawn to me by the father who sent me, and I will raise them up at the last day. It is written in the prophets, and they will all be taught by God. Everyone who has listened to the father and learned from him comes to me. No one has seen the Father except the one who is from God. He has seen the Father. I assure you, whoever believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. 
Your ancestors ate manna in the wilderness, and they died. This is the bread that comes down from heaven, so that whoever eats from it will never die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever, and the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. Jesus says, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Now, Jesus is not being literal here. He is speaking to this idea of the tangible and intangible things beyond food and water that we desire and long for. And I'd argue that Jesus' promise that we'll never hunger and thirst doesn't mean we'll get whatever tangible or intangible thing we're dreaming for. Jesus, being who he is, knows the best thing we need that truly satisfies, whatever that may be. I am the bread of life. That's a weird idea, right? And the Jewish opposition certainly thought so. They start grumbling right away, much like their ancestors do in Numbers 11 when they start demanding meat on top of the manna the Lord was already providing. How can he say, I have come down from heaven, they ask. And that's a fair question as well. How can he say that? Jesus tries to explain it to them. Well, Jesus does explain it. (laughs) They just don't understand. Like sometimes we don't understand what Jesus is explaining to us. In fairness, this is a deep, rich theological presentation of who Jesus is. No one has seen the Father except the one who is from God. Jesus says he came down from heaven. So he is the only one who has seen God. That seems like a big deal. Jesus speaks to the Jewish opposition and reminds them about their ancestors who ate manna from heaven and died. Jesus is the bread of life, he says, the living bread that came down from heaven, and whoever eats this bread will live forever. And this bread that Jesus is talking about is his flesh. Here again, Jesus is not being literal. He is not suggesting that they rip his arm off and have a bite. What we see in the next verses, which are in next week's lectionary passage, is the idea of eating his flesh is more about ruminating on his words, on who Jesus is, on how Jesus lived his life, on the example he left for us. This is more than simply participating in the sacrament of the Eucharist. This is about imitating the life of Christ. When we step into that kind of life, we will never hunger nor thirst. And that kind of idea gets me back to the idea of abiding that we talked about last month, of staying connected to the vine. In the vine, we bear healthy fruit. In the vine, we are pruned to bear richer, healthier fruit. And in Ephesians, Paul continues this discussion of what fruit-bearing vines look like in us. Therefore, after you have gotten rid of lying, each of you must tell the truth to your neighbor because we are parts of each other in the same body. Be angry without sinning. Don't let the sun go down on your anger. Don't provide an opportunity for the devil. Thieves should no longer steal. Instead, they should go to work, using their hands to do good so that they will have something to share with whoever is in need. Don't let any foul words come out of your mouth. Only say what is helpful when it is needed for building up the community so that it benefits those who hear what you say. Don't make the Holy Spirit of God unhappy. You were sealed by him for the day of redemption. Put aside all bitterness. Losing your temper, anger, shouting, and slander, along with every other evil. Be kind, compassionate, 
and forgiving to each other in the same way God forgave you in Christ. Therefore, imitate God like dearly loved children. Live your life with love, following the example of Christ, who loved us and gave himself for us. He was a sacrificial offering that smelled sweet to God. Now, it's easy to look at this passage from Ephesians and start categorizing the list of bad things we shouldn't do and the list of good things that we should do, right? Don't lie, don't steal, don't use bad words, don't grieve the Holy Spirit, don't be bitter, don't be angry, don't lose your temper, don't shout, don't slander, don't do any evil. That last one feels like it catches kind of all the other ones. But, okay, Paul. Be kind, be compassionate, forgive each other, imitate God, live life with love. Now, for the sake of this discussion, let's leave these things in those categories we want to put them in, good and bad. But let's get back to the metaphor of fruit on the vine. Remember when we talked about the fruit on the vine, right? We said the branch can't make the fruit. The branch bears fruit if it's connected to the vine. The vine dresser tends the vineyard. So the vine bears fruit. When the branches fall to the ground and in the mud, the vine dresser lifts them up, lifts the branches up, puts them back on the trellis so to continue to grow and bear fruit. The fruit is pruned to bear richer and healthier fruit. Stick with me here. I'm mixing metaphors. Now think of these categories of things Paul discusses in Ephesians as fruit. We'll call them good fruit and bad fruit. We find ourselves at times losing our temper, right? Or shouting or uttering harsh words. But we don't want to do that, right? Sometimes it's easier to not do that. In other days, it's much harder. (laughs) Unruly. If we could just stop doing those things, it would never be that hard. But, in fact, it is hard. And in those moments, we are sort of like Elijah. We're at the end of our rope. And all we can do is admit where we are. Confess. Lord, I'm angry. I'm bitter. I'm full of mean thoughts and words. I can't forgive that person. And from that posture, we can be fed by the Holy Spirit with what we need in that moment. The bread we need. The water we need. The rest we need. To continue on the journey that we have ahead of us. And after we've been fed, we can find the strength to forgive that person. Right? We can apologize for the harsh words we shared with someone. We can summon the courage to confront the person who hurt us right, or who we're angry with. Paul speaks of imitating God and living with love following the example of Christ. Jesus gave himself up for us. He shows us the way of self-sacrifice, the way of canonic love. When Jesus calls himself the bread of life and explains that this bread of life is his flesh, He is calling us to share in his passion. Jesus' flesh is going to ascend a cross as a sacrificial offering. So, too, the work of our spiritual formation moves us closer to Jesus and closer to a life that sacrifices ourselves and the things that don't really feed us or quench our thirsts. We substitute a lot of things in hopes that we will be less angry, right, or less bitter or kinder or more compassionate. Unless we are seeking the bread of life, unless we are abiding in the Christ who is the bread of life, those lesser attachments will always leave us hungry and thirsty. As we think about the ETS groups tonight, 
I think it's important to consider what Paul says there in verse 25, because we are parts of each other in the same body. Now that's the tag he puts on the responsibility to tell the truth to our neighbors, but it's bigger than that. It speaks to what it means to be part of a community of faith. Paul is writing to the church in Ephesus, but this applies to us today. Hopefully, we're there for each other. Hopefully, we're supporting each other through the ups and downs of life, celebrating, mourning, all the things. Hopefully, we can step in to be a messenger to someone feeling like Elijah, or we can be a priest to offer the bread of the presence to someone in need. I hope that these ETS groups help us step into this kind of transparency and vulnerability in a way that helps us experience the transformation that Jesus offers. This bread of life who offers us what we need, even when we don't know what that looks like. Who offers something better for us than we can even name. Okay. Here at River City, we have weekly rhythms, right? And this week... The rhythm is actually Contemplative Sunday. And as we consider what we're hungering after, I'd like us to take some time to pray about that. Before we launch out here to the rest of our Sunday afternoon and the rest of our week, let's pause to consider what we are hungry and thirsty for. Are those things life-giving? Are they momentary substitutes for the real thing? Are we dining on the bread of life? If we are, how is God satisfying that hunger within us? What do we have to be grateful for? What can we see at work beginning to shape us deeper in relationship with him? How is that bread preparing us for the journey ahead? If you feel like Elijah today, focus on that. Focus on that in prayer. Present that to the Lord. Lord, I'm spent. I don't have anything else to give. Do that, share that, confess that, stay connected in that way. If that's all you can offer, offer that. If you're joining an ETS group tonight, right, and you're hungering for connection with others, right, in addition to getting closer to Jesus, present that and ask what he would have you bring to that group you're going to be in. How can you enter into that group? How can you be shaped by that group? What can you bring to that group for the sake of the other people in the group? All right, Becca's going to play a little in the background. Let's just take three to four minutes, five minutes maybe. Just what are you hungering for today? Then I'll come back up and dismiss us. What are you hungering for today? in this room. I thank you for your your presence in our hearts, in our homes. 
Lord, I thank you for your faithfulness in so many ways. We confess that at times we are blind to that and we don't see it. Lord, give us eyes to see where you are stepping in for us. Lord, we, we have wants and needs and desires and longings and we frame them in, in ways that make sense to us. And I'm, I'm so thankful that you know better than we do what that thing is that we really truly need. I pray that we would all begin to, to dine on the bread of life. And that through that, we would be transformed to have your eyes to see, to be that messenger for somebody, to be that priest for somebody, to give you every part of us. spent to bring that and lay it at your feet so that you can provide what we need when we can't even name it. We're so grateful for who you are, Lord. May we hunger and thirst for the things that draw us closer to you that shape us in a way that we can live in love in the way and the example that you've given us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you all. Um, If you're part of ETS, tonight at 6, down at the table. It's the all-together week, so please look forward to seeing everybody that's coming. Um, For those of you who are not coming, thank you for being here. Have a great week. You want to do doxology? Doxology? All right. Let's do doxology. We're not going to do it in this key, though. All right, everyone, you know the drill, and if you don't, you'll catch on real quick. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures.
Have a good week. Have a good week, everybody. <laughs> Amen. Thank you again for joining us today, and please visit our website at rivercitysmyrna.com.